Oh, incidentally, I'm Alan Adeo, a minstrel. Well, that's an early day folk singer. And my job is to tell it like it is, or was, or whatever. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water. They were drinking, they just guzzled it down. Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse was watching them and gathering around. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. This is our first animated movie. It is our first animated movie, and not the animated movie that I think listeners would have expected us to do, which I kind of like. Okay, yeah. With you right it's not there. the obvious choice. Yeah, true, true, true. Well, I think we should get into this. Everybody out there, listeners, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are the movies that made us gay. Uh, Scott, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest and let's start talking about this movie. We had entertainment journalist, gay pop culture expert Matt Baum on the show. You might remember Matt Baum on his YouTube show, uh, Matt Baum's Gay Culture Cruise. We've definitely have watched it. And welcome to the show, Matt. Yay, thank you so much. I'm so glad you've watched the videos. Yeah, yes, what a treat. I mean, we watch you fairly regularly. If you were on video with us, we're just doing a voice call. I just got a Rocco's Modern Life tattoo on my arm. What? Wow. That's a, yeah, is it like I have Rocco a, a tattoo Spunky of Rocco? on my arm. It yep. is, yeah. And we just oh. watched a few weeks ago your Rocco's Modern Life video. I had the yeah. tattoo already booked and planned, so it was not quite like – your show didn't quite – was inspire, inspire you. me to get the tattoo. I already had it booked, but it was kind of perfect timing. That's great. And I, I'm glad because, like, that was that was a recent video. And, like, mm. I think more consideration than just, like, a couple weeks should be given to, like, tattooing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, uh, Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> unexpected show to have a gay episode, but they did. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a wild one. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're, between the two of us, I think we have upwards of 30 tattoos. So we're at the point in our tattoo journeys mm-hmm. where we're mm-hmm. just like, what are you going to get next? A I'll piece of get, pizza? I'll just maybe? get stupid shit yeah. at this point. <laughs> That's so. that's great. I like I, I appreciate that. I have zero. <laughs> ah. I, like the rule that I made for myself is I have to want something for at least a year before I'll sure. get it. And I haven't wanted anything for long enough for that to actually make sense. Sure. With one exception, like I've always wanted to get like a tattoo, like a full from my wrist all the way up my arm, across my chest, down to Ooh. my leg, to my oh ankle, my tattoo of a tree. Ah. And I've wanted that for about 10 years, but um, it's such an ambitious project yeah, that yes. it may never happen. That's quite, a lot of sitting. Quite the undertaking. Yeah. yeah you have yeah. to do it in, in parts. Oh, goodness. But and I'm also uh, too shy to sit for a tattoo person. Like, when it gets to the waist, I'd be, like, just a little too Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. There's also – yeah, there's also that. But um, I'm, also the ki- I'm also the kind of person that ki- – uh, that, um, has that weird thing with like small talk when I'm getting my hair cut and I'm just like, so you like 
things. Yes. <laughs> so the longer I'm sitting, the more I'm just As like... I'm getting a needle jabbed into my skin. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Scott, so what did we watch? Our first Disney animated episode of the podcast. We yes. watched Disney's Robin Hood, directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Wolfgang Reitherman. Reitherman. Yeah. Released November 8th, 1973. So, Matt, I kind of just gave you just kind of movies that made us gay. What do you want to do? You immediately said Robin Hood, which I love. (laughs) Not quite the choice that I would have expected, but I'm super into it. I feel like at this point in my life, I know myself well enough that like that question is asked and I'm like, you know, there's a million pieces of media that have shaped me as a person, a million important things. um, But boy, there's just, there's no avoiding it. There's no avoiding that that was the one that like (laughs) did, did a number on me. Definitely the type of movies that we would watch just on repeat as children. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had it on VHS and um, not the official version, of course. It was like the Disney, you know, Wonderful World of Disney version. So it had all the oh. ads for like, you know, Carnival Cruise Lines and Slim that. Fast Shakes and stuff like that. <laughs> so who knows what that did to me. But <laughs> I, Right? Yeah, absolutely. Want to definitely pop a, had it. Trim. I, I very like vis- uh, um, um, viscerally remember uh, it would go to commercial right after the tournament and I'd start fast forwarding through the commercials and then I just keep going with the fast forwarding through that one love song in the middle because I was like, oh, uh, yes. love, this is boring. Yeah, can't deal, can't deal with that love song. Um, that love song lost the Oscar to The Way We Were. Did oh, you know well, that? Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, as much as I love this film, I think I'm, I, I would have voted that. That's, that's how sure, I would have gone. Yeah, sure, and that love sure. song definitely has that um, sort of 70s pop quality that you saw a lot of Disney movies at this time of just like these pop songs from the 70s. Mm-hmm. It does have. Yeah, it's like kind of folksy, but not fully folksy. Uh, yeah, it's just so like soft and, and weepy and, and maudlin. I think one that Disney did a much better job on was is Candle in the Water from Pete's Dragon. Right. Yeah, uh, oh. just to like sidetrack this into other Disney stuff, but yeah, of the definitely. roughly that era. Yeah, I think Candle in the Water is like just a, a, a beautiful song, and like the, the visuals for it are you know just her. I forget the actress's name, just standing there on the on the lighthouse. I'm like picturing it in my mind. It's a, it's Helen a lovely Reddy. song. It's Helen, Helen Reddy. Reddy. Yeah, yes. yeah. I am woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, the movies from this time period definitely they have a visual distinction to them, and yeah, the songs are uh, yeah those seventies soundtracks. Uh, I, I particularly love in the the final like uh, kind of shootout in the castle. It gets a little disco, gets a little mm. like <laughs> it's up tempo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That honestly, that music at the end, I, you know, and we'll we'll get into this. We're like jumping literally to the end of the film now. Yeah, but right. That music that plays at the end of uh, Disney's Robin Hood uh, mm-hmm. is just like seared into my memory as like scary, scary scene. Like, oh, sure. Climax yeah. music. Yeah. Like, whenever definitely. I think of like an exciting moment in a movie, that's the music that's mm-hmm. accompanying it no matter what movie it is. Yeah, for sure. So so you've just had you just you grew up on this movie. You've had it in your repertoire forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Like as long as I can remember. And whenever there was like an occasion where my parents were like, oh, go ahead. We were not like a really media heavy family. Like we didn't watch a lot of TV. We almost never went to movies, but whenever there was like a special occasion, my parents were like, you can put on a movie. What do you want to watch? Always Robin Hood. Like from (laughs) earliest memory up through It's like Robin Hood, maybe the Muppet movie. Although I don't think we had that until later. So it was Robin Hood, like all the way up probably till high school or so. I was like, really? 
Like this, this was, this was it. Like I was obsessed. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same. And this was one of, um, I mean, I'm a kid from the early nineties. So I grew up going to stuff like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin in the theater, uh, just obsessed with the little mermaid. And this movie definitely was one that was on the rotation in all of my VHSs. So I would also watch it a lot. It's, you know, it's a great film. It doesn't have um, what one might call a plot. No, it, but it, it doesn't, <laughs> like, it's got, it's got events that happen. But yeah. it definitely has this weird feeling of being super episodic. And I don't know this right. for a fact, but the movie seems to be broken up into three chunks. And I wonder if it was meant to be shown in basically half-hour-ish segments right. uh, rather than, like, all put together as a movie. Well, it like, kind of like The Sword in the Stone and, and The Winnie mm-hmm. the Poohs. Well, I think that's also a holdover from The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle, written in 1883. Pretty much any adaptation of Robin Hood kind of picks from that source material, and I think that's how the book is written, is that it's sort huh. of a series of episodes. Huh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That's where we get, like, the archery competition, robbing the stagecoach, and his, his uh, love with Marion. That all is kind of from the book. Wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know that there was, like, a generally recognized, like, this is – obviously, he's a folk hero, but this is this is the text that we all base yeah. our mythology from. Yeah, yeah. And the 1883 novel is usually the one that I think adaptations reference the most. Hmm. Is it's he kind a of fox like... in that version? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's the first furry novel. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I mean, it, we're gonna, we are going to get into oh, that. Oh, we'll get into that. And I think it's interesting <laughs> to note of when you look at the production hairy, uh, history of Robin Hood that Walt Disney always had an interest of doing this type of movie. But it's this medieval story called Reynard the Fox. And that was mm. supposed to be a follow-up to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And Reynard the Fox huh. is just sort of this old English tale of talking animals. And then wow. it was sort of redeveloped by production designer Ken Anderson in the early 70s when they were doing the Aristocats. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do another talking animal movie because I think the Aristocats was a pretty big hit. And that's sort of how they ended up with Robin Hood, was sort of this old medieval material, and they updated it with Robin Hood. So, yeah. I had no idea. So, if it was, like, going to be the follow-up to, to Snow White, it was, like, percolating at Disney for 40 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's kind of how things ran back then, though. They had these weird <laughs> ideas. Like, Little Mermaid was kind of in the hopper, like, they, that well, entire yeah. time. You Walt know? always had all of these <laughs> iconic properties that yeah. he always wanted to do features of. Right. <laughs> and this Reynard the Fox was one of them, and then it just sort of ended up becoming Robin Hood. I wonder what that original vision was and, and how different it would have been. And, like, what the impact on Disney would have been if they could have done, like, a fully, like, a big budget version of that back in the... Right. Early days of, of animated features. I would imagine that with Reynard the Fox, it was probably story logistics that they couldn't quite nail mm. how they were going to do it. That's probably why they ended up doing something like Pinocchio. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I'll, you know, I, and I certainly am not complaining about that. Like, I'm glad that they got to do yeah. Pinocchio and uh, Sleeping Beauty and all those instead. Yeah. And there's something about 
Disney movies from the early 70s that I think that just in that time of an, of animation, they were probably wanting to save money and cut some corners. That There's a lot of fingerprints of earlier movies in this, of The Sword in the Stone, The Jungle Book, mm. The mm-hmm. Aristocats. It's just sort of they used all of these character models and they put it in Robin Hood. And I think that Bedknobs and Broomsticks would have been about two years before this. So you can kind of mm-hmm. tell that those two were developed roughly at the same time because they use all of the same references for the animals. It's a very, like when you look at it, 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 I think it's a, it's a beautiful film given the resources that they had. Mm. And you can also tell about looking at it. It is cheap. Uh, And I don't mean like (laughs) of low quality, but you know, there's a lot of like really scratchy lines that have not been cleaned up. Uh, The backgrounds are very simple. There's almost no, there's like Three, maybe four multiplane shots in the entire movie. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the, I can tell that things, times were tight. I, I've actually, I've heard the joke that, um, uh, that OPEC is like the, the oil producing nations yeah. organization is responsible for the creation of furries because the oil embargo was happening. The oil embargo caused a drop in attendance at the Disney parks. Oh my goodness. Uh, because nobody could afford fuel. And, then that in turn made Disney cheap out on a lot of their movies and they did Robin Hood because they had they had the resources lying around. <laughs> they were able to do it cheap. And so we have the 70s oh, oil embargo goodness. to thank for, for uh, the formation of the modern I, furry. Now, I thought that I had read that the animators kind of intended for this kind of like, quote unquote, sketchy look to be there going all the way back to 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. maybe you know. i don't know about that i think what's going on there is i mean i'd love it if that was the case i believe right. that that was a cost-cutting thing uh and also a sanity thing because yeah. especially with dalmatians they that was like when they started doing using xerox to mm-hmm. reproduce yeah. stuff because mm-hmm. how right. else could they have with all the spots yeah that's true um well i i do think that it just adds to the charm of the movies from this era um, it, it, they feel very handmade, and yes. I like that. I think, though, the Aristocats is the one where you see it the most. Sure. Like, you almost see, like, rough like mm. character drawings underneath, you know, as you're watching it. But, um, I, like I said, I think, I think it adds to the charm. Um, I am, uh, I believe I'm a little older than uh, the people on this call. And so in the, in the earlier 80s... Uh, before this had come out on VHS or if when the VHS was a little bit too cost prohibitive, my sister and I, uh, who's a couple of years older than me, we had a tape or maybe, maybe it was a record. I think we had a record of like hits from like Disney animated movies. Sure. And uh, Udalali was on it and mm-hmm. I really liked it. And my sister had like uh, some like book, like some like picture books and she was obsessed with the Robin Hood character and she just thought he was super cute and me as like a small child was like that is a drawing and it is an animal <laughs> but now me as a adult grown homosexual uh I'm just like yeah Robin Hood it's cute he's he's great you know there's um there's a line there's an episode of Kimmy Schmidt where they're like yeah Kimmy and Jane Krakowski are talking to each other yep. and She's like, you know who Robin Hood is? Uh, yeah, that Disney movie where Robin Hood's a fox. When you were little, did you think he was handsome? And then, like, your crotch gets a headache? Are you kidding? That voice and how he didn't wear pants? Mm. Did you ever, like, when you watch Robin Hood, did you ever have, like, a headache in your lady bits? And she's like, (laughs) 
that fox, that voice, and he doesn't wear any pants? (laughs) (laughs) And Brian Bedford's voice is like butter. I could listen to it all day. He's great, and the actor who played the the voice actor is gay. Uh, oh, I forget his name, but the How the guy who played he's a Shakespearean actor, uh, Brian Bedford. Yep, uh, yeah. who played Robin Hood uh, was was openly gay. Probably not back in the early seventies, but right, right. Uh, he played later. He's on an episode of uh, Frasier. Uh, he plays um, a gay man who mistakenly thinks that Frasier's dad is gay and, and hits oh. on Frasier's dad. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. that makes Robin Hood gay. De- definitely, yeah, and I mean. Seriously, when you want to break it down, it's like he's hanging around with this big old bear mm-hmm. floating the river. Yep. You know, um, like, is Maid Marian his hag? Maybe. Well, I mean, I think that Lady Cluck is sort of the hag. Lady Cluck's a little haggish. Mm-hmm. I love that she's a chicken that has cleavage. She just has big old boobs. <laughs> yeah. She's just giving me very, like, Mama Bazoom in, uh, in Showgirls, you know. Uh, unnecessary cleavage on a chicken. Um, but, like, all the characters, like, there's so much drag in this movie. Oh, they're in drag in the first ten minutes They're of in drag movie. in the first mm-hmm. ten minutes. Um, to say nothing of Prince John, like, I can't even, like, Prince John, he's, like, that kind of gay that, like, wears too much jewelry. and <laughs> But he also has, like, Birkenstocks and, like, these, like, flowy, like, flowy robes, like, like a caftan, maybe. So... I don't know he gives he me, just... like, intense Liberace vibes. Yes. Yes. Very Liberace. Very kind of like maybe like an, a little Alan Carr thrown in there. Yeah. Mm. Um, yes. Know. And then uh, Sir Hiss is just like, I don't know if Sir Hiss is just like a like a Wiccan kind of a gay, just like putting, <laughs> putting spells on people. You know? Skinny legend. Yes. <laughs> Sir Hiss. Skinny legend Sir Hiss. Thank you. <laughs> um, th- yeah. This cast of characters is too much. And the voice cast, like, it is just, you know, I, I, I sound critical when I say it's cheap, but, uh, like, they do some incredible things with the casting because, like, yeah. everyone is in exactly the right role. Yes. Peter Ustinov as, as Prince John, I think, is, like, it's an iconic Disney performance. Oh, I love goodness. Disney villains, oh, my obviously, goodness. like everyone. But, yeah. like, he's, he's, like, up there. He's in my top five Disney villains. It's one of those voice casts. I think that they talked about this on The Emperor's New Groove on the commentary, that you could put all of these actors on stage to do this mm. and it would work <laughs> yeah you're absolutely yeah, right you're absolutely right roles. um i had read that i think the errol flynn movies the errol flynn robin hood movies were the first ones to cast prince john as effeminate and huh. just sure. give, him the, give him these characteristics mm-hmm. um because that's the other thing it's like robin hood is like this really really old folk hero but Prince John and King Richard the Lionheart are historical figures, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something that was pointed out to me while I was making – so I've got a YouTube video about Disney villains, about Mm -hmm. queer coding Disney villains. And something that was pointed out to me while I was making it is um, Prince John um, appears in in the movie The Lion in Winter. Uh, It's the Catherine Hepburn film where she plays Eleanor of Aquitaine, his mother. And I'm like – John's John and Richard's mother doesn't appear in the Disney version, right. but like realizing like, oh, that's the that's, that's the mommy <laughs> that he's obsessed that's with. The is mommy it, is it is yeah. it canon that like um, Catherine Hepburn is like the old crone lion? <laughs> I like to think so. Yeah, I, I like I, is imagine she the like, lion if, in winter. <laughs> mm-hmm. She is the li- she is the true lion in winter. Yeah, wow. like I'd like to think like if they ever like this will never happen, but who knows? Disney uh, does it like a sequel or prequel to right. to that Robin Hood film. 
that uh, it would be a, a Hepburn-inspired performance. Uh, love it. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, side note, aren't they doing a live action of this? <gasps> I don't know. I think I think it was announced. I mean, I know that they're doing the live action Peter Pan right now with Jude Law that they're filming. Oh, for but um, out loud. I haven't heard of Robin Hood. Well, though. we'll we'll talk amongst ourselves and maybe I'll look. I it mean, up, Robin Hood is also one of those properties that I mean, every few years we have to churn out the Robin Hood reboot. And also, when I was a kid in the early '90s, Robin Hood was very topical because Kevin Costner was just in. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, mm-hmm. Carrie Elwes in Men in Tights. So just Robin Hood was everywhere in the early 90s. Yeah, there was a moment. There was – and I think in maybe – oh, you know what? I, I Maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but didn't Mel Brooks do a double Robin Hood parody with Men in Tights and also When Things Were Rotten? I may be confusing – or was Men in Tights – was that a Zucker movie? No, Men in Tights was Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But I was When like Things Were Rotten theatrical – Maybe that might have just been a TV show. That yeah. might have been a series. Oh well. Yeah. Anyway, you're correct that like there's always these different like versions of Robin Hood, including an episode of Next Generation. So uh, <laughs> you never know where it's going to pop yes, up. Yes, yes. They, Do I, they like time travel to like Robin Hood times? No, they use the holodeck. Oh, oh sure. no, it's okay. even worse. It's it's a <laughs> oh, it's is it a, Q? Sim, it's Q. Yeah, it's Q. You're right. It is Q. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I love whole, I love the episode, but I'm it thinking is of Barkley. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking of Barkley doing the the Cyrano situation. But that, oh yeah. god, yeah, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> with Q. the short Riker. Yes, I'm the oh, goddess goodness. of empathy. I yeah. am the goddess of empathy. <laughs> Anyway, how did you trick me to talk about Star Trek? I know. We, we could talk about De- – well, I could talk about Deanna <laughs> yeah, Troy all night. He's the truckie of the relationship. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so these these characters in this movie, I mean, queer-coded, uh, but it's pretty blatant. It's like right, it's right there on the screen. But It is, yeah. I think the thing that did it for me, like, is – you know, I'm thinking about, like, I love this movie, but is it the movie that made me gay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking back to it, I think as a very young kid – there was definitely an identification that I felt with um, with the, the the rabbit character, oh, uh, yes. who was mm-hmm. portrayed as around my age when I started really getting mm-hmm. into this film. He's probably like seven or eight or so, and I definitely felt a strong like pre sexuality attraction yeah. to to Robin Hood there. Whereas like he's just a cool older brother type, yes. and yeah. he's just so awesome, and he's his best friend, and I wish I had a, a friend like that. And then as I got a little bit older, I was like, you know, now that I'm maturing, I'm starting to look at Robin Hood a little differently. And I'm like, uh, I, he, is, he is cool. He is a, 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 a fun, uh, slightly older friend who I would like to spend a lot of time with. <laughs> He'll take you to your first gay bar. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. My first gay bar was like Disney's Robin Hood themed. What a dream that would be. Oh, That's... my goodness. <laughs> there needs to be like a Robin Hood themed night at like the Eagle. They're called furry nights. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that Although, I mean that's that's just a thing. Although now I will say they're like so um I don't know. I, I was about to call them intersectional, but I feel like that's an abuse of that term. Right. But I just went to a night here in Seattle uh at the Cuff where it was furry night, pup night, and bear night. Mm. Like all at the same time. Oh sure. So there's a lot of different a lot of just different interests overlapping. Animal Kingdom, yeah. Mm. I mean yeah. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, intersectional, I guess. But um yeah, there's that you know, those those costumes. I mean, I, I'm very, I'm not very well versed in the furry world, so if I'm getting any terminology incorrect, I apologize. But um, you know, the suits that they wear, mm-hmm. the fox ones, the the heads, 
I mean, that's Robin Hood. Sure. It's this, it looks like this character design. I find it, it's so intriguing to me, the um, sort of, I don't know, convergent evolution on a particular furry look. Um, So this is is a topic, I write for The Stranger, which is the alt-weekly here in Seattle, and Mm -hmm. one of my beats is the furry beat. I write about the furry news, like local furry news. Oh my goodness. Uh, And so, not that there's always a ton, but every now and then. Um, And it's really wild to me that... Um, out of the the scene, the, the furry scene that really got started with like sci-fi and fantasy cons mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s, when, what was called funny animals, it really like love that. sort of like how different creatures all dif- like kind of convergently evolve into a crab shape. All, furries just kind of convergently evolved into a very Disney look yeah, uh, with the big sure. eyes mm-hmm. yeah. and a particular kind of like style, animation style. Uh, it's very seldom that you see somebody like there's a there's a local figure who goes by the charming name Ass Wolf here in Seattle. Ooh, love uh, lovely, lovely person who has a really distinctive look because it's one of the few furries that doesn't have that um, that Disney look. OK. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. And, and like, you know, Robin Hood is like often cited half jokingly, half not as as the movie that um, really is responsible for for the agreement that that is what furries are going to look like. Sure. That started it all. <laughs> uh, one of one of my favorite. uh Well, I guess not an interaction, but there's a parade here in Pasadena where we live every year. It's called the Duda Parade. Because we live in Pasadena, which is kind of known for the Rose Parade. So it's sort of like the spoof of the Rose Parade. Yeah, there's the Rose Bowl Parade every New Year, every New Year's Day. And the the Duda Parade is kind of like the anti-Rose Parade. And Mm -hmm. they just kind of allow any sort of like weirdo fringe contingent to have, you know. Mm -hmm. You get the sighting of the hot tub car. Which is a car with a hot tub in the back. Fantastic. The hot tub mm-hmm. car is amazing. But there were, you know, there there were furries just kind of marching. Full costume. And, you know, over their costume, they're wearing jock straps. Naturally. <laughs> and some of them had harnesses, you know. But the thing is, they're like marching in this parade, you know, prancing through the streets, dancing, living their lives. And the kids in the audience are loving it. Yeah, mm-hmm. losing their and minds. And the furries are like throwing candy and going up to kids and taking pictures while fully wearing jock straps. And I'm just like, I love this. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, I think there's probably a discussion we had there about like, oh, God, people are like worked up about kink at Pride. What about kink at this other parade? Yeah, come on. Kink at <laughs> the Duda Parade. Yikes. <laughs> Um, if you ha- if you have a spare moment, Google the Dude Operate. You won't be you won't be disappointed. There's some fun stuff going on. Gosh, okay, I love it. <laughs> I I love the the furry infiltration because there was a period where like furries were like the butt of every joke on the internet. Oh yeah, and I feel like yeah. that's really that's turned around these days. Oh no, they own Tumblr. Mm. Sure, like <laughs> like that's all you're gonna find on Tumblr these days. Porn yeah, was yeah, kicked well, off and the furries reclaimed it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been taken over. Lot bit furry furry Twitter. Gosh, when Tumblr did yes. its purge, like the the exodus to Twitter was just like insane. Yeah, absolutely. And also with this movie, when you Google gay Disney art, I've definitely have mm. seen some Robin Hood images. Oh sure, which I mean he's already whole, like <laughs> like gay subculture of gay Disney art. Oh, very, very. Like it's it's um, not hard to find the the uh, let's say unofficial the the fan yeah, art uh, the fan where art. every every fantasy that could possibly exist. You know, I write in addition to writing about furries, I write about other stuff too, and one of them is sexual subcultures, and it just it amazes me and inspires me that whatever question you could have, like, are people into this? The answer is always going to be yes. Yes, mm-hmm. someone is into it. <laughs> 
Yeah. But anyway, I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Film. Anyway, but this movie, but yeah, that's the thing though that this this character, the the look of the you know the character design, the the voiceover, you know, work, it all just leads. It's it's so well done, you know. Yeah. The voiceover actor is so good. The the character design is so beautiful that it's just easy for you know for you know young people or for even adults to just latch on and be like, yeah, that that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and then to say nothing of the uh the queer coded you know characters as far as like the villains but also you know with with robin hood i mean there's no merry men it's really just little john mm-hmm. little john and kind of the animal characters are kind of probably they're subbed in for the merry men i would imagine yeah. that, that the merry men are not in this movie because it probably would have cost disney a lot of money to animate more characters even to animate. more characters yeah yeah no crowd scenes no, yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. The only time there's a crowd, it's the same. It's like the dog mm-hmm. on crutches, the, the, the old owl couple, mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. a hun- and 100 baby rabbits. It's, we're going to have one elephant. We're going to have one rhino. We're just going <laughs> to yeah. photocopy them. Yes. Don't worry. We've already used them. In, we've already used their character designs in, in the Jungle Book. We'll yeah. get, yeah. like, Joe in to do all those. <laughs> so, okay. Um this isn't really on the like queer part of this movie, but I've always just been very interested in the kind of like uh, country and Western vibe that this movie has Mm. Yeah, with this property. It's just such an interesting juxtaposition of these old West, you know, Western actors doing these voiceover roles. Isn't Um, it bonkers that it's Robin Hood, but they've got this guy doing like a deep South sheriff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? What? It's it a, makes it, no sense. It makes zero yeah. sense whatsoever. But I don't know. It's kind of fun. Like the Alan and Dale is like this big rooster, you know, and this and the the music, the way you know Udalali and the first, you know, the the opening song with the whistling and all that stuff. It, it it makes zero sense. But again, it just adds to the weird charm of this, of the you know of this particular movie. Who's the famous character actor that was in Back to the Future and a lot of other westerns that has that I- iconic voice? What's it's, his name? It's Pat Buttram. Pat Buttram. Yeah, he was one of the he was one of the bullets in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in oh. the cartoon Gun. Um, yeah, he he's like the old west guys in Back to the Future Three. He's one of those because he was uh, he was uh, um, an old western kind of uh, comedic actor in like the the fifth the forties mm-hmm. and the fifties. You know, the the only explanation I have for why it shows up in Disney's Robin Hood is, like, it was just kind of a trend for a while. Like, there was that whole, like, rural thing of, like, Petticoat Junction and Green Acres sure, and sure. the Beverly yeah. Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Like, 70s just had this, like, wave of that until we get to, yeah. I forget what year it was, but, like, all those things were suddenly canceled. It, oh, yeah. It, in the, it was called a rural purge where they just, like, got rid of all yeah. the, like, the hick shows. I think that was when Variety had the, the famous headline, Sticks, Nicks, Hicks, Picks. <laughs> very Variety. Uh, oh, man. Did Gene Shalit write that? I mean, I don't, I you know, say- it's one of those, like, anonymously written headlines that I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, that's so cheesy. On the other hand, I'm like, I wish I thought of Brilliant. that. Brilliant. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, was it shows like Dynasty that just kind of made that type of I entertainment wonder. square? Yeah. Yeah, if there was suddenly, like, in, like a very, like... The 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 um I don't know the the covetous eighties like the suddenly like greed is good and like that's mm-hmm. the vibe rather than like get back to nature you know with the with the Dukes of Hazard it's suddenly like live live the high life and acquire 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 <laughs> so, oh goodness 
I don't know I, what that I, did well, to I Disney found films. A, I found a little something uh, about this. Um, so the the producer, Ken Anderson, this is according to Wikipedia, said he he wanted to set the film in the Deep South, desiring to recapture the spirit of the Song of the South. Oh, oh. that makes sense. Sure. But uh, Disney executives were wary of the reputation that Song of the South was even at the time uh, getting. And so uh, the director, Wolfgang Reitherman, decided that we're just going to go with the traditional English setting. But they had already started casting based on this southwest kind of uh, motif. Hmm. So we get this kind of pastiche of English countryside or, you know, medieval Britain and, you know, country and Western. Yeah. It's so strange (laughs) that they like made that pivot, but not fully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's there, but it's not all the way there. But yeah. Also, God bless him for making that decision because that would have been wowee. Yeah. Yeah. That's so (laughs) – I mean I think maybe like the Old West could have worked but not not like the Deep South. Right? Yikes. Yeah. I feel like that – like there's absolutely no way to do that without introducing um, subject matter that either would have had to have been addressed or yes. if not, would have been a glaring omission. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. which, yeah. Huh. So, well, at, a, at any rate, history has looked back on this film <laughs> more kindly than it would have. Yeah. I was reading oh, that man. the sheriff of Nottingham was originally designed with a pig and they decided that it, that maybe leans a little too heavily <laughs> little, into stereotypes. A little too on the nose. So they made him a wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. What an interesting ugly wolf, though. I feel like as a kid, I never was like, "Yeah, that's a wolf." I was just like, "Wow, what is he? Just some weird big dog." He does have sort of that, like, I don't know, um, ineffable, <laughs> ineffable canine mm-hmm. quality of a Disney film. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But uh, he also it's usually see, cats he, that are ineffable. Well, oh, true. But he also has that weird that not weird, but he also has that vibe of. Um, like when you go to like uh like a like almost like a uh a leather knight or something and they have like the big like brutus character sure you know S- what i mean smoking a big cigar yeah so i can kind of have i would agree with that like an an, an imposing dad physique mhm yeah, yeah yeah so yeah i feel like just so much so many of these characters just kind of fit into like our you know or gay bar tropes. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the drag looks? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. many. <laughs> I mean, I'm into uh, Robin Hood's big door knocker earrings and his head wrap. <laughs> I like that he has the full voice. Like, it's a full transformation. Oh, yes. Like, honestly, like, masterfully uh, <laughs> masterfully done. Like, you can tell. It, it, Brian, Brian Bedford, definitely a, a Shakespearean actor pulling mm-hmm. off that, uh, <laughs> the drag voice. Masterfully done, Your Excellency. <laughs> now close your eyes and concentrate. Close your eyes. Tight shut. No peeking, sire. Oh, from the mists of time come forth spirits. Yoo-hoo! Yes, for sure. Uh, I feel like uh, little John in drag is definitely give gives me like Latrice Royale vibes. Sure, mm. <laughs> just with his voice, <laughs> not changing you it know, at all. 
similar like I, I like that later on we see uh john and, and lady cluck kind of become friends because they both do have like you're saying earlier that henrietta bazoon's quality from showgirls yeah. <laughs> that like drag or um, the strip strip club um uh, matriarch matron yeah yeah the mc of the night yeah yeah which yeah. I, I still stand by my take from our showgirls episode that this is not a thing this character trope <laughs> oh, no <laughs> this is completely made up by someone. <laughs> yeah. There is there is no big, you know, heavy set woman at the strip club watching over that, all the, the girls that, do, that does a, a a comedy routine, like a borscht belt burlesque yeah. comedy yeah. show. Yeah, not what the straight men are there for. No, it does not exist. <laughs> I but, like to think that but, it does. Though. Yeah, but I'm loving it in the movies. <laughs> we should mention I, that. I, yes. I like and I, I, boy, oh boy, I wish that character showed up again. Like I, yeah. I like in other projects. Like I feel like that really should be a, a Verhoeven, um, like director. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like yeah, a, yeah. Like a a common thread through his films. I, I just want to see Henrietta in everything. <laughs> Put her in L. I'm sure the truth fits in there somewhere. Digitally add her to, to Starship Troopers. I was just about to say we throw her in Starship Troopers. There's uh, plenty, plenty of uh, casual nudity in that. Yeah, perfect. She'd be right <laughs> home on the ship. I was going to say, Lady Cluck is voiced by Broadway icon Carol Shelley. And Carol Shelley originated Madame Morrible in Wicked and oh, won the Tony for the what? Alpha Man. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely yep. can Cute. see that instantly. Yes, perfect, perfect. And both her and the voice of Maid Marian, Monica Evans, were both in The Odd Couple. I think that hmm. Mon- uh, I think Monica might have been in the movie... And um, Carol might have been on stage. Okay, I think. Okay, mm-hmm. you know the the voice casting of this, um, as sometimes idiosyncratic as it is, but also perfect. It reminds me in that respect of the Last Unicorn, which again has uh, some surprising surprising cast, yes. um, but Great also cast. St- like just perfect. Like everyone is perfectly cast in the Last Unicorn. We were just Absolutely. talking about what's her name and can't stop the music. Tammy Grimes. Tammy Grimes. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Is Molly Grew, yep. one of my favorite characters in that movie. Oh, um, she's so good. It's like heartbreaking. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, Maid Marian in this movie always to me, I'm just like, I was never interested. I was just like. I used to think she was pretty. Yeah, she's pretty, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me as a kid, I was just like, uh, get her out. I just want to see more Robin Hood. Um, what I did love about Maid Marian was that. Um, you know, at the, in the opening credits of this movie, how they credited each character, and they said it as, you know, as Robin Hood, a fox, you know, mm. made Marion a vixen. I love that. <laughs> Lady Fox. <laughs> I love just it's the term. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's true. It's correct. But I just love a vixen. So 80s. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, it, it, it really gets back to that thing of like how in animation, like you can always tell the boys from the girls because the girls are the ones with the big, long eyelashes. And- yeah. <laughs> that ridiculous gendering of characters that's yep. fully unnecessary. But, yeah, there you go. The, I mean, the vixen. <laughs> I like that when Robin Hood does his drag, he does have these, like, garage doors. Oh, God. He's yeah. like Mimi Bobek eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got the crazy eyeshadow. He's got the huge door knocker earrings. Uh, I mean, it's it's the middle of the day, and he's, like, <laughs> day full, walking. full sunlight, day walking. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a pretty bold look. I love the t- like contemplating that they just had this stuff like handy at the ready. Oh like, yeah, and that they're like, yeah, all right, you ready ready to do the the, the fortune teller routine? All right, here we go. <laughs> and they like yeah. they've done it before. They know it. They're in character. They got it. 
Yeah, and then, okay. So then he goes in there. Uh, he's already, like, kissed the jewels off of, like, mm-hmm. off of the rings. So he's Great got side some. Gags. He's got some, you know. He's got the grills. He's got, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got the grill. But, um, you know, Robin Hood comes out. And when he comes out, he's now wearing Prince John's robes. Yes. And yeah. Prince John is just in his long johns. It's like, yep. what were they doing in there? What is the implication? I have... <laughs> I have agonized over what could have led to that situation. Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, just let me on. just, like, why don't you slip into something more comfortable? Like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. So that was my thing. When I saw it this time, I was just like, he just came out in his underwear and he's wearing his clothes. It's a little risque for me. Uh, you know, I wonder how much discussion there was at the studio amongst the animators or whoever. Like, can we get away with this? Can we, can yeah, we have Robin yeah. wearing his clothes? Like, what are we insinuating here? Sure. <laughs> we'll I just leave the, it. Uh, yeah, the, the, I think at the time they really were just thinking it's for kids. I th- I feel like movie making, you know what I mean? I f- pe- mo- people weren't uh, sure. dissecting these things. Don't that overthink much. it. It's yeah. for children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they probably just were like, nobody's going to notice. This is a, This is a kid's movie. Leave it in. But hey, yeah. here, here we are. <laughs> Notice. I, I hate to break it to them, but I noticed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I just noticed that when we watched it this time. I was like, hmm, interesting. But, um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But um, yeah, like you said, this, uh, the structure of the movie is very episodic. You know, we just get Robin Hood stealing. You know, we have, we know he's an outlaw. Um, the whole moment with the kids, you know, playing badminton, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with Maid Marian. I was Love like, the badminton scene with Lady Cluck and Maid Marian. <laughs> oh, well, it's your turn to serve, Marian, dear. Are you ready, Lady Cluck? Oh, as your lady in waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> that was so relatable to me as a kid, not just the... Um, you know, how much I wanted to be that rabbit with the cool older mm-hmm. friend, but mm-hmm. also the group of kid friends and like the different personalities they all have. Yeah. They're such minor characters, but they invest but them great. with so yeah. much personality. And like I can say as a kid, that had like complete authenticity to me. This Millhouse Van Houten turtle. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> anytime. I mean, I wear. I've worn glasses since I was four years old. So anytime as a kid, I saw a character with glasses, I was like, I relate to you. So yeah, I was all about this Milhouse Van Houten uh, turtle who I loved, and he was also kind of a little timid, you know. Um, love the 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 youngest rabbit sibling carrying the rag doll, dragging the yeah. rag doll behind him on the ground. That's just like classic trope of like small child yep but um yeah. and that's like slightly bossy older one who mm-hmm. is like angelica from rugrats sure like again like <laughs> i knew all of these characters i knew all of these characters in real life yeah yeah and yeah Skippy, always, that's, that's the that's the mm-hmm. rabbit's name Skippy. and i always yes. like that they were immediately welcomed by lady cluck mm. and mary oh yeah too yeah, it's so sweet. Like it's it's like that trope of when you want to make your character sympathetic at the beginning of the movie, you have them save a dog. Yeah, like in this absolutely. one, you have them save the rabbits, save yep, the, save the, the rabbits. save the little rabbits. <laughs> so we um, we come to understand that Maid Marian is Prince John's sister. Oh, 
Really? I had blocked that out. Is that, is that we, the case? Is that what we decided? <sighs> she says her uncle. Her uncle? So it's her niece. Yeah. Yeah. And I think huh. that's a holdover from the, from the original material, too. Because I just assumed, you know, she's in the court. She's in the royal court, so she gets to be behind the palace walls and all that. You never know. And but, it makes sense that you're behind the palace walls as an extended family member. Yeah, but they, there, there was a line in this one, and I was like, wait a minute. What did they just say? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's weird. I think I do, now that I think about it, recall there being a line about, like, your uncle or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I will say, like, I, I gave that zero thought because right? yeah. I was just so invested in these characters. I really did not consider the species like at all <laughs> which you yeah. know now that i think about it like it's always like the owls with the owls and the mice with the mice sure but uh, yeah Late, i never Late really Marian considered is a canine and uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah because a fox is a dog animal right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they kind of look like cats too i mean is there anything also more handsome in the animal kingdom than a fox they got a they got a good knowing look they're, you not. I, I will say it's one of, one of my other beats. Like I just I like animals a lot, so I write about I write about like um, domestic animals for domesticated animals for the stranger, mm. and so that means I get to write about the zoo and the aquarium sometimes. And I love it. it's just it's a real joy to be able to um, just spend time talking to animal experts and going to like I haven't been able to do this in the last year, but being able to go to the zoo and the aquarium and like hang out with with creatures is oh yeah uh, just such a privilege and a joy. Yeah, super fun. Totally. I used to work at a children's museum. And so when we would go out on the, you know, these research trips, that was always like a huge highlight. So what kind um, of animals did you meet? Um, well, we went to the Long Beach Aquarium. And so we met some really fun. Um, God, that was years ago. What did we meet at the aquarium? Well, I know that what we had on site with us, we had a lot of insects and reptiles. So mm-hmm. I had uh, access to, you know, bearded dragon. I mean, domesticated things. But, you know, I had the hissing cockroaches and oh, yeah. mill- millipedes and things like that. And, um, yeah, the the, uh, the bearded dragon was was really fun. He was he was with us for a long time. And uh, But, yeah, when we went out, we, we went to the um, Aquarium of the Pacific. And uh, we got to go behind the scenes there and, and look at some Ooh. really cool uh, those crazy uh, those crazy seahorses that just kind of look like kelp. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, with all the like spines and things. Yeah, yeah, those are those are wild. But um, yeah, great great times. That was always fun. When I lived in San Francisco, I um, wrote about the frog ecology there a lot because San Francisco has a very complex frog ecosystem. Who knew? And yeah, so I got to go to the zoo and like they were doing some interesting stuff with um, Pacific chorus frogs, uh, which almost went extinct in San Francisco. If there hadn't been this little group of um, biologists who under the undercover in the dead of night went out to this construction site, found all the egg clutches they could and stole away with them. This is illegal to do. They stole away with them. and. Wow. and uh, yeah, because you know, nothing was permitted for this, but they would have been all killed by this construction project. Ha- like nurtured these frog colonies for years, and then reintroduced them back into the city once the once the time was right, and actually helped deal with the. Um, there was some virus that was going around that was transmitted by mosquitoes, and so reintroducing a, a frog population helped keep the mosquito population under control when it was like swine flu or one of those. It wasn't swine flu; it was, it was West Nile virus, is what it was. So, wow! There you have it. That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, leave it to Disney though to just have to just fill these movies with with animals, but I feel like I think that I had read that this was 
the first time since Bambi that there were no human characters sure. in a Disney yeah. animated oh, wow. feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm but, trying to think of any others, but yeah. yeah. But unlike Bambi, they were fully anthropomorphic and wore clothes mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this Disney animator and director Brian Howard admitted that uh, Robin Hood was one of his favorite movies, and he cited it as a major influence when they did the character design in Zootopia. Oh, that's so Bateman evident. Character. That yep. Jason Bateman mm-hmm. fox in Zootopia looks exactly like Robin Hood. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about, like, Rule 34, uh, like, <laughs> making making things sexy that were not yeah. originally uh, designed <laughs> that way. There's so, so that's- much Zootopia. Oh Absolutely, my gosh. yeah. Oh man, remember that meme about that big, that big tiger in Zootopia? Okay, well the tigers, the those, tiger those, on the bus. Like, first of all, those outfits, like with the slashed, <laughs> the shorts. I like. I'm picturing it now. They're all dancing around uh, G- Giselle. G- is that a G- name? Gazelle. Yeah. It's Gazelle. Giselle. Yeah. It's the um, yeah Shakira. The, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shakira character. Mm-hmm. Um, like. Very, very eye-catching <laughs> character design on those guys Absolutely. down to the costumes. Yeah, yeah. Idris Elba is that jacked water buffalo who's the captain of the police department. <laughs> oh, was that Idris Elba? I didn't yeah, realize I that. Idris Elba. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was thinking, too, uh, oh, when, when re-watching this, uh, is that, you know, Peter Ustinov is playing Prince John, but he also does the voice for King Richard, the yeah. Lionheart. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, you know, when he came out at the end, I was like, I remember him, the lion, being a lot more, like, grand, like, bigger, like a big mane, very Zootopia-esque, you know? And then Peter Ustinov comes out, and he does the voice, and it's very similar to Prince John. It's very almost just as effeminate as, he does have, as Prince John. Yeah. You know, I, I, he, he's definitely, like, more, um, I don't know, what you consider, like mask coded i guess right he's got, yeah like yeah. he does have a mane where john does not mm-hmm. and he is standing a lot more like just his body language is more confident right. he looks he's a lot more like burly and muscular yes mm-hmm. uh but yeah he still does have that like eustinavian yeah. uh <laughs> dandiness i guess you yeah, call it yeah yeah for sure but yeah i just kind of think was thinking like oh i feel like i maybe would have made the mane a little bit bigger fuller or something and but immediately my thoughts went to Zootopia, because yeah. yeah, there's a lion character in that, isn't there? The the mayor or something? Yeah, I think so. The main villain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, I mean, the main villain is is like a little sheep. Oh well, yeah. But um, the Jenny yeah. Slate character. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, on, spoiler alert! Uh, a four year old Disney movie. <laughs> no spoilers they, on this show. That first, I, so I was I was writing about furries when the when Zootopia first was coming out, and the, I can't even describe to you the excitement that the trailer was met with. Um, the first trailer, the first oh, little teaser for Zootopia contains the word anthropomorphic. And like, oh, I mean, right, the, the right, furries right. heads yeah. were exploding. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, man. And let me say this about Zootopia and Shakira. That song, Try, Try Everything, it's yeah. a really good song. Oh, it's a banger. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> it is what am I trying to say? It is uh, inspirational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is that the song that's playing. I, like I know it's like the big climax, like mm-hmm. victory song at the end. But I think it's also, or at least like a motif, is incorporated at it the is. beginning when it she is. first yeah. arrives by train. Okay, on the train when she, yep. Judy is going into Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When she arrives by train, we, so I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it um, like on a little shitty laptop screen, and <laughs> that song is playing, and she's looking at the city and the music and the the. All the like animals around her, and my partner looks over at me and he's like, "Are you crying?" 
And like, <laughs> I was moved to tears by that arrival in Zootopia scene. Yeah. Absolutely. We saw Zootopia in a movie theater in Silver Lake in Los Angeles. All adults. All adults. Not a child not a child to be seen. Not all a right. child to be Any- seen, but but you could just hear Max Landis laughing at the top of his lungs in the third row. And we were just like, Oh my god. All right. All right, Max. It's not that funny. Oh my god. You know, I was listening to a podcast like a very LA podcast the other day and somebody was like, Everyone in LA has an Andy Dick story, which is hundred percent true. Yes. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know, we're just a few years away from everybody in LA has a Max Landis story. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's ours. Well, clearly yeah. he got we'll every contribute. joke in Zootopia and, and wanted the and entire wanted audience to know. to know. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Great, great, great audience. You know, honestly, like, I'm sure it's nice to have somebody who is, like, a vocal fan in, yeah, for, for yeah. a filmmaker. Like, I could say when I was, like, you know, back when, when I did more, like, stage shows when I was in high school and I was, like, in drama club and all that, I always appreciated having the loud laughers. <laughs> not, sure. not necessary to film, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. More in a, yeah, in a live setting. But I, I, I do think that you, we kind of do have to talk a little bit about Zootopia, you know, in the conversation of this movie. Because they, they do. major influence on yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Robin Hood, you just, you can't escape it when you look at the two movies side by side. So I'm glad that we fit that in. I, I also was, have yeah. a huge crush on Jason Bateman as well. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Jason Bateman. Oh, my yep. goodness. Yeah. It's Love the it. slyness, and I think, you know, like, because of our cultural baggage attached to foxes, um, and, you know, baggage not in a bad way, but, like, I don't know, right. association or valence around foxes, mm-hmm. like, that sly trickster troublemaker, like, the bad boys. That's, yeah. that's who we, 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 we cast our foxes as. Kind of, the, you know, they're the Lokis of the animal kingdom. And yeah, absolutely. I think there's something about that that's very beguiling. Yeah, for if sure. If you've ever seen a fox in the wild, they're the cutest things ever. <laughs> you just want I mean, to, like, squeeze it. It's so adorable. I, they're they're beautiful animals, and I like the goofy foxes, the ones that have been like raised from pups by like you know because either they were like the litter was abandoned or something like that, mm. and they're domesticated, and so they're like living happily alongside humans, and they are such dorks sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like because they have sort of dogish qualities, but not fully, and so sometimes they'll just get like so like they have kind of a cat quality like with their curiosity. And so, like, when they get excited, they've got, like, the big open mouths, and they're, like, pouncing from place to place, <laughs> you know, and they, like, lose all chill. I like a fox that's really enthusiastic and, and like, is just, like, yeah. needs to chill out. Well, we should adopt one as a pet. No? Bad idea? I actually knew somebody <laughs> when I was a kid that had a fox as a pet. Oh, my god. And you goodness. would not touch that fox because that fox would probably bite off your hand. That fox would maul yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think our cats would appreciate it much anyway. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> there, you'd wake up and, and be like, didn't we have one more cat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this house feels a little emptier. Um, <laughs> okay. So I've, we kind of addressed it already, but I do want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, Prince John as this kind of stereotypical, you know, prissy performance. He's hanging out with this snake, you know, who this lisping, you know, very very thin mm-hmm. <laughs> buddy. And um, you know, we we did mention before you you already you have a, a YouTube video about you know, queer coded characters in, in Disney movies. And, uh, you know, we don't have to fully go into it and dissect, you know, these uh these queer coded Disney villains. But I do want to talk a little bit about that. And um, I don't know, just kind of uh, 
this character in particular, you know, he's like he's sucking his thumb. He's a mommy's boy. Has a fixation mm-hmm. with the main male protagonist of the movie. Intensely, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I think this is something that, you know, I can't fully blame Disney alone for, but Disney does go to this well frequently, the, the yes. queer-coded yeah. villain trope. And obviously they're not the only one to do this. But, um, you know, as I, as I mentioned in my YouTube video about this, um, even from their very first film they were doing this with the evil queen Snow White, using the um, character traits that audiences at the time would have recognized as being queer to insinuate that there's something – sinister and unnatural about the character Mm -hmm. you know in the case with the disney with the with the evil queen she's uh in a position of power usually occupied by men uh she has that like strong jaw and deep voice um and she's very like she reminds me a lot of um the villain in uh in rebecca mrs danvers um and and like you know they they do the same thing with maleficent um and you see the same thing with male characters who are very fancy and dandy and uh prim like captain hook is very obsessed with his looks and he's got like a close thing with smee same thing with radigan the grace (laughs) mouse detective same thing with uh, jafar all the way up into the 90s um sort of a um a sleazy um visual uh, Interest in aesthetics, I would put it. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would call it with the with the male characters, and yeah, and Prince John very much like has all those like what we would call effeminate tropes to suggest there's something unnatural, something not quite right about this person that they're they're not conforming to our to our gender uh, stereotypes. There must be there must be something wrong with them. <laughs> Mother, Mother always did like Richard best. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, and that's just something that you'd see in a ton of movies, basically from even pre-code, but especially after uh, production code was was adopted in '34, all the way up until you know it was, it was dropped in the mid '60s, and then even up until I'd say like the '90s and 2000s, you'd still see that trope of uh oh, there's something slightly feminine about this man. They might be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the Great Mouse Detective was '86, '85. I think 85. I think 86. I think it came out the year I was born. Yeah, it was it was the one, yeah. it was right before Howard Ashman. So it, it, right oh, there in right, the middle of right, the right, right. Yeah. Well, and also Radigan is trying to masquerade himself as a mouse. That he doesn't oh, even yeah. like his identity of being a rat as well. Right, right. You, like you call him by his, you know, identify him as a rat, and he, he flies off the handle. Uh, he's, you know, trying to pass as a mouse. Also, you know, <laughs> voiced voiced by a queer actor, but voiced by Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I love that. Char- I think that character is really funny. Just the kind of um, the little acting things that they do mm-hmm. with Radigan and his little his little hands, just being very mm-hmm. like flighty and you know, very dainty. Yeah, on his up on his toes and things like that. But you know, I feel like in um, starting with that movie and you know the Disney animation renaissance, there were. I mean, I don't know if there were m- many, but there was at least one uh, gay animator. It's Andres. Right. Um, what's his name? It's uh, Deja. Andres Deja. Deja. Yes. Yeah. So funny story about Andres Deja. I was working at Barnes and Noble once in Burbank, and he called about his book, oh. and he said his book title. And I listened to his voice, and I was just like, I was just listening to your Sleeping Beauty commentary. And he's like, well, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> just listening to that voice over the phone. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. He was calling about the edition of one of his coffee table books. Oh. 
and yeah, how well it was sweet. selling. <laughs> I think he was just looking for an older edition of it. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, um, whether or not there were other gay animators at the time, but it's like, you know, moving forward in um, people's uh, or the public's kind of ideas about, you know, queer people in general and just having like a queer person work on characters like Scar, you know, and did he work on Gaston? Yeah, I think so. Which, I mean, Gaston's not queer coded, or is he? But you I know, mean, he's pretty much like a walking he, Tom of Finland drawing. You can make a case like I think he is in. Um, he's in a nebula. I'd say like, <laughs> y- you could certainly you could certainly make the case. He has said, uh, Andre Stage has said that like that wasn't his intent. But, you know, right. intent only matters so much. So yeah. I think you could certainly – I think there is absolutely a queer read of Gaston. I personally I, – I personally don't feel like – there. it doesn't resonate with me. Right. Um, but I'm not going to shoot down somebody else's read of it because I think it's – you don't need to stretch very far. <laughs> yeah, with Gaston, with Gaston, it's more of the visual references of, like, big muscle guy – Tom and Finland drawing of like the seventies. Yeah, very much those proportions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and especially his his big musical number, um, like the the performance. Like he's doing so much to perform mask. Yeah. He feels very. Mm. He's, he's like such a closet case to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's interesting when you know you're talking about some of the female characters, the female villainous characters, and I know with. The uh, voiceover actress who voiced Cruella DeVille. There's a lot of um, uh, Tallulah Bankhead. Oh yeah, um, kind of inspiration there. In in Tallulah Bankhead's kind of over the top kind of you know uh, theatrical theatricality. Um, mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I just watched on Netflix the new uh, Masters of the Universe series. Mm. And uh, Mark Hamill voices Skeletor. Great. And, yeah, uh, great. Hey wonderful. Uh. And, I mean, you want to talk about, like, some weird, like, queer coding. <laughs> but he – there's an after show, and he specifically mentioned that he drew on Tallulah Bankhead for his Skeletor performance. And I was like, I really? fucking love That's that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you talk about a queer icon like Tallulah, yeah. uh, you know, for, for listeners who are not familiar, just Google Tallulah Bankhead quotes. She is just <laughs> like such a such an icon. She feel like you'll be like, is this not a drag queen? But no, yes. she's just an, an incredible <laughs> actress. And uh, I think one of my favorite quotes of hers is um, one of the Marx Brothers. I want to say Groucho, but I don't know. One of the Marx Brothers comes up to her and like trying to guess, get a get a reaction out of her, says something very ra- like he's like. Uh, it says something like, I want to fuck you. And it, like something like really direct and offensive sure. to her. And she goes, and so you shall, my boy. <laughs> like, what a reaction. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I just and thought, I think somebody, I mean... oh, somebody, somebody else asked her about, uh, maybe it was Rock Hudson or maybe it was um, Farley Granger or some other closeted celebrity. Right. And, uh, you know, they asked her like if he was gay. Her re- re- response to that was like, well, he's never sucked my dick. <laughs> Again, like, oh my god, these zingers, these one-liners, like RuPaul wishes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I just thought, and it's like, leave it to Mark Hamill because I think I feel hmm. like he's just such a somebody who's also very versed in just the history of 
animation voiceover too. Yeah, that's what I was mm-hmm. gonna say. Yeah. He's just like this amazing voiceover actor. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for years, and he's just—I don't know—he's just a fucking cool guy. So he's able to like you know put this into this character, which the character of Skeletor, the voice and the voice acting in the original series is just so crazy. Oh yeah, right. I'm, I'm wearing my Masters of the Universe. Oh uh, yeah, you're voguing shirt Vogue, right now. Yeah, yeah. voguing Skeletor. But, There's a yeah. great clip on YouTube of uh, the voice of Krang, uh, like the original, the guy who like, oh, originally man. the voice of Krang on Ninja Turtles, Pat, <laughs> Pat Fraley, I think, um, of him talking about like what inspired that bonkers performance. That and voice m- is wild. <laughs> mixed in there is a little bit of um, Catherine Hepburn. And sure, like yeah. once you, once you know that you can kind of hear it like oh yep. that like quivering wavering mm-hmm. voice you know who knows if this is true it's just a great story right. but he says yeah. that he was inspired in part by by Catherine Hepburn so I <laughs> I love that that's there in Krang yeah that's a, I have friends who it's just a, a running you know uh, joke of ours to just do this Krang impression at the drop of a hat and they're all terrible nobody said nobody sounds mm-hmm. like Krang but it's just this inside joke that we all do we're just like somebody will say something and we'll just repeat it in the Krang voice and it's like oh my god that's <laughs> it's a it's a joke that my, my partner and I have like he'll do the Krang voice and like and our, our vibe is sort of like He's like overeager Krang, and I'm long suffering Skeletor, and I'm like, oh, not this again. Oh, Krang, not now. I've got a headache. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Krang's those, just like going for it. Those two in a in a like a long term relationship, oh, that mm-hmm. would be amazing. Like an odd. It's couple. very Rita yeah. and Lord Zed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I would pay <laughs> pay to see that. Oh goodness! I think we're doing really well in covering and covering all of this. Um, yeah, we we took this movie and shook it until <laughs> yeah, until absolutely, until absolutely, left to fall out of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, any any final thoughts on on Robin Hood from 1973? I adore this film. I adore what it's done for me as a person. It uh, you know gave me a, a, a role model to look up to and kind of a a, a portrait of um, of non toxic masculinity to aspire yeah. to. Yeah. And so I, I endorse uh, Disney's Robin Hood as a formative <laughs> text for any young person. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's a lightness to this Disney movie that kind of makes it, I mean, pretty iconic. And just Robin Hood as a character immediately a- appealing to its viewers for both men and women and little gay boys. Like, women and, like, gay kids want to marry this guy. Why kind of straight guys just want to be his bro? <laughs> they just want to like bro down with him and just be friends with him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the like either you know people want to be him, they want to be his friend, they might want to sleep with him, or they might just want to <laughs> shake his hand. But uh, he's just got that like I don't know that magnetic charisma that you just want to be around. And also, yeah. he wants to eat the rich, which I also deeply yes. respect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the message that we're like gleaming on, glomming onto at the, uh, this day and age. I'm just like, yeah, stick it to the man, drag yeah, icon. Down, <laughs> down with down with the wealthy, uh, uh, abolish the monarchy. I guess yes. he doesn't want to abolish the monarchy. He reinstalls Richard, but oh yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> times being what they were, I can forgive that. Right, right. And yeah, we also have some some drag some drag. Uh, Icon. Turn out those looks. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, he always the understands the assignment. Yes, I, yeah. I, f- I feel like I identified a lot with Robin Hood, you know, in my younger days, but now I'm feeling a little bit more Little John in my forties. So <laughs> we've aged up into from from Robin Hood twink to yeah. Little John dad. Absolutely, and, or I'm just aging into Lady Clock. <laughs> That's good too. Mm-hmm. That's good yeah. too. That's a good thing yeah. to to age into. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh man, thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt. Thank this you so was much, Matt. really fun. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. I love talking about all this stuff. Yeah, and once again, we have plugged your YouTube channel a lot, but you have a lot of great stuff on your channel. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's well, super folks, informative. Um, I I just posted a video about um, gosh, what was this one about? About the Muppets, about the gay history of the Muppets, and in particular Richard Hunt, who was a foundational member of that like early Muppet Show crew and, and created. Beaker and Scooter and Janice and Sweetums and Statler and uh, Gladys the Cow drag icon. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, check out my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Matt Baum. Uh, I've got videos about that, about Disney villains, about Rocco's Modern Life, about Star Trek, all that stuff, about queer milestones, TV and film. Great. Sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so Thank much. you so much for having me. Okay. We'll uh, hope to have you on again in the future. But until then, see you next time. Bye. See you next Bye. time. Bye. See you later. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll definitely be doing more Disney animated movies. I think that we're yeah. gonna, I think that we're going to be doing Little Mermaid very, very soon. Ooh, as love a little it. preview. Yeah, that'll be really, really fun. But yeah, I'd love to talk about like the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, like all of it. Yeah, definitely. There's so much fun. Yeah, there's a, and there's a lot to there's a lot of content to mine there. I didn't even think about doing individual episodes for Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. But I mean, yeah. I think we could do it. Totally. I think we could do Mm -hmm. it. What do you think, listeners? Well, everybody, like we said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. But it is that time in the show. Are you talking about Patreon shout-outs? I'm talking about Patreon shout-outs. Yay! Uh, We have a new patron. (laughs) Brandon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For being a patron, Brandon. He even signed up at the $10 level. I love it. Yes, indeed. He's getting all the good stuff. He is a Liesl von Rumen level. And points for you if you know who Liesl von Rumen is. But she is our... And that is why you're a $10 patron. Liesl von Rumen level. Thank you so much, Brandon. We also want to say thank you to Amy Layton, Shelby, Merle, Jacob, Michael, Charlie, Heather, Muffy, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jamie, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emily, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, John, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rafino. Thanks so much. Thank you for being a friend, everybody. Head over to www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay to check out our various tiers of fun, additional, exclusive content, like our Watch With Us commentary tracks our uh, monthly newsletter, and our cool postcards yeah, and shout-outs. So check that out and follow us there. And you get a shout-out every week. We'd also love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, Give please. Give us five stars and write a review. If you write us a review, we will read it on the show. If you want to write us a review and take a screenshot of it and DM us on Instagram... 
do that too and we'll repost it we will put it in our timeline we'll put it in our stories and we'll read it on the show again yeah uh, you can DM us on Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay. We are also on Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. We are on Twitter at MTMUG Pod. Yes, indeed. So go over to all those social media things and do the thing. Like, follow, subscribe, share, 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 share. Mm-hmm. You can follow me. My name is Pete. I am at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter, Scott Youngbauer on Instagram, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterbox. Yes, indeed. We so still I... need to make our Letterbox account. Oh show. yeah, I need the to get one to that. Letterbox account just for the yep. show, mm-hmm. and uh, we have our separate I'll get ones around too. To it. Yeah, it'll happen soon enough. So uh, hold your horses, everybody. But again, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, my lovelies. Bye. Bye.